Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Continuing our study in the book of Philippians, Pastor Joel Woodard is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21, with the message, Finding Joy in a Heavenly Mindset. Philippians 3 and verse 12. Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray one more time. Lord, it's it's not too much to come to you each and every day. And, and even, Lord, I, I, I was sitting in the pew thinking, I've been so busy this morning. And now I'm preaching your word. Lord, I, I pray that you would remove me, remove the things that are on my mind and uh, things that are going to happen and going to take place in the list and all that. Lord, would you just remove all that for all of us so that we could just sit in your word and hear from you. So Lord, open our ears so we can hear, open our eyes, Lord. Let us see the riches that you have for us. Lord, would you get our eyes up from this world to heavenly things, that it would transform us and that we would be in the process of of transformation, of sanctification, uh, to reach our ultimate end of glorification, that we would be like you. So use your spirit mightily to change our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and have a a seat. Paul talks about here having a a mindset or a vision on on heaven with our feet on the earth. Talks about pressing on each day to be heavenly minded so that that would transfer into us being really earthly good, heavenly minded to be earthly good. Uh, Paul considers all of life like like a race. You can hear it. Uh, in this text. 
But it's not a race to like, how can we leave this world and, and finally go somewhere else? It's, it's actually a faithful uh, run, a faithful shuffle to leave a lasting impression or a lasting impact on the earth where we're at. That we would have an influence on those around us. That our heavenly vision would, would uh, relate to some uh, impact to the people in our lives. And before we get to the text, though, I want to set the message up uh, by sharing with you. This is a story of, like, this, this guy is just incredible. Uh, and it was so encouraging to me to, like, hear this story. And I've, I've said it a couple of times, so you might even have heard it. But I haven't said it in a message uh, yet. It was 40 years ago. It was exactly 40 years ago that uh, in Australia, they came up with something called an ultramarathon, which went from uh, Sydney to Melbourne. Melbourne. It's like 400, let me get this right, 543.7 miles, an ultramarathon, 543.7 miles. I don't know who would want to run that long. I wouldn't. Uh, but people all over the world heard about this marathon. So they, they trained and they got ready to run this ultramarathon in Australia. Now, on the day of registration, there's like the booth, and they were getting all these runners with all their sponsors who had trained and were the young, sleek, healthy uh, people doing it. And up shuffled to the registration booth a guy named Cliff Young. Uh, Cliff had no teeth in his mouth because he said they rattled when he ran, so he took them out. He was wearing these big uh, rubber boots because he didn't like his feet to get wet, and he was 61 years of age. And he comes up to the booth, and he, and he registers for this ultra-marathon, and they thought he was, they was joking, right? Like, how is this guy ever going to compete with all these young, trained athletes with sponsors? Uh, but Cliff Young, he wasn't new to running. He had lived on a 2,000-acre farm, and still did uh, till the time he was 61, 2,000-acre farm in Australia that had potatoes and sheep there. And they were really poor growing up, and so they didn't have a horse, they didn't have a quad or anything like that. And so Cliff Young would have to round up his sheep by running 2,000 acres, which sometimes would take him two, even three days to round up all the sheep to bring them back. Uh, so he was used to running. In fact, he actually kind of liked it. So he thought, well, why not try a couple long-distance runs? And so he entered into this ultra-marathon from Sydney uh, to Melbourne. Well, he registered and entered the race. The race began, and of course, you see all those young, fit athletes running way fast and leaving Cliff Young in the dust. There was uh, some strategy to it in the running world. There was uh, precedence and, and expectations of how, of how you do it. You run for 18 hours straight, which I don't know how you do that. And then you sleep for six, and then you get up and run for another 18 hours, sleep six, and on. So that's what all those trained runners would do. But Cliff Young, he wasn't trained runners, and he didn't know about the precedent of uh, the running world. So he just, he just kept on shuffling. The first day, he was so far behind, but when all the other runners were, were sleeping, Cliff Young just kept shuffling along. After five days of shuffling along, Cliff Young ended up winning the race by over nine hours. <laughs> uh, gets to the finish line and had beaten everyone. He'd only slept for a couple hours the whole time. Uh, he had broken the old record, which was actually, I don't know how... Why are people doing this? Uh, but he broke the old record by two days um, before, before that. And so Cliff Young shuffles up to the finish line, ends up uh, winning, 
He didn't even know there was a prize. And they're like, there's a $10,000 prize. And he's like, oh, I don't need it. Just give it to the next five guys behind me. So he gives $2,000 to each of the five guys behind him, and he goes back to the farm. Cliff, Cliff Young. Uh, you can Google him today, the Cliff Young shuffle. If you Google it, you will find the way to run. Cliff Young, his shuffle became the standard, the example for how runners run a race like the ultra marathon. A 61-year-old guy, no teeth in his mouth with rubber boots in his, became the example of how to run a race. Now, in the same way that Cliff became the example of how to run the, the race for this ultra marathon, today we're going to see that Paul sets an example for us as believers into how to run this race of the Christian life. We're going to see that as believers in Jesus, you're actually called to a heavenly mindset so that you, and then in turn, are you're for earthly good to be heavenly mindset that would result in the benefit and the overflow of the people around you, to have your eyes towards heaven and your feet on the earth. Now, right away, you might be thinking of that Johnny Cash song, any of you uh, thinking of it, where he, he says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Has anyone heard that phrase before? That's, we shouldn't get our theology, all of our theology from Johnny Cash. <laughs> and Paul and Johnny would probably talk about this. And Paul would say, no, 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 Johnny, I think you've got it wrong. We're to be heavenly minded, so heavenly minded that we're earthly good. You might be thinking, even at the beginning, okay, well, how does, what does that really look like? How, how can you have your eyes towards the heaven, have this heavenly mindset, and our feet are still planted in this broken world? How do you live with your eyes up and your feet in a broken world? Well, I want to take us back to the, the text to see how this heavenly, uh, to be heavenly minded, we are earthly good. And we're going to look in two parts. We're going to look at the, uh, the heavenly mindset that we have, and then in turn, how that transfers to earthly good. And hopefully by the end of our time, we'll have our eyes up to Jesus. And this section that we, that we just read actually begins or continues from uh, last week, which is uh, connected to the week before that, it's a letter. So it's not supposed to be chunked all out. Uh, it's all uh, together. So I, I want to go back and pick up the, the theme or the flow of thought from just a couple of verses before because we have a lot of pronouns of it and this and that uh, that we need to recognize and identify. So, And also this text might be so familiar to some of us uh, that we don't slow down to see what's happening here to understand. So, so I want to go back. I want to slow us down a little bit, pick up the verses before so we can get the theme, the topic of what he, Paul is talking about. Philippians 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there. Philippians 3. We'll go back to verse 10. Philippians 3 and verse 10. It says, that I may know him. And if you were here last week, that know is like this personal knowledge, this intimate knowledge, that, that I know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The goal of knowing Christ and, 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 and attaining this resurrection from the dead and then we start in our section today, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this. And this, this goes back to uh, verse 11 and, 
and 10, that this is the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have, I'm already resurrected from the dead. I'm still alive on this earth. I, I haven't been made perfect, he says, or already made perfect. Because Paul knows once you finally die in this earthly body, God's going to resurrect it and give you a glorified state where everything's going to be as it should where there won't be achy knees or twisted backs. There won't be broken ankles. Everything's going to be how it should be when we receive these resurrected, glorified bodies where the curse of the fall of humanity will be done away with. And all will be as it should be. Well, not that I have already obtained this, he said, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect yet. So, but this is what I do. I press on to make it. And that goes back to the resurrection. To make the resurrection my own. Because Jesus has made me his own. It's like Jesus reached out when we were dead and grabbed us by the scuff of the shirt and raised us up. He's made us his own. And the, and the hope and the trust that we have that the one who reaches down and grabs us from death to life won't let go. He won't drop you. And his resurrection then is your resurrection. His death is your death. So he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. There's nothing, he says, there's nothing that I've done that's warrant that. I was dead in my sins. I couldn't do anything anything. But one thing I do, and then he actually lists two things, which is interesting. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind the dead man, the sin, the brokenness. I, I forget the stumbling of all of that, what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. And what lies ahead is my resurrection and my glorification in Jesus. So I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. Remember that, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now let those of us who are mature or perfect think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What have we attained? We still have these uh, broken, sinful bodies. We are not glorified. So what do we have? What have we attained? And I think Paul would say, you've attained a calling. The thing that you have is a calling from death to life through resurrection of Jesus. To find his death in place of your death and his resurrection in place of your resurrection. That we find ourselves in Christ. The, the thing that we don't have the ability to do for ourselves that Jesus' death counts for your death, his life for your life. So the upward call is not this call from let's leave the earth and go to heaven somewhere we're on clouds. This upward call, I think according to Paul, is the upward call from death to life. It's resurrected life, an upward call. Like we're dead in our sins on like a marble slab or in the morgue. And, and Christ reaches down and pulls you up, the upward call from, from death to life, from, from your sin and being a slave to that, to being victorious in the resurrection of Jesus, this upward call. It reminds me of uh, the story of Lazarus in the Bible. Uh, it's his 
Jesus' friend, and he's got some sisters that are there, and he hears the news that his friend Lazarus is sick, and it's going to lead to death, and it does, and Jesus just kind of uh, waits there, and he waits four days until he actually comes back, and he meets the sisters, and they're like, where were you? You could have, you could have, you could heal the sick, but now he's dead, and he's like, oh, your, your brother will rise, rise again, and they're like, yeah, we know he's going to rise at the end time, and Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he goes to the tomb and has him roll the tomb, uh, that stone away, and he calls into Lazarus, and he says, come out. It's a call from death to life. It's a resurrection call. So, so let me offer you just three observations about a, a heavenly mindset here uh, that Paul has with this idea of, of this calling from death to life, this resurrection, this heavenly mindset uh, that he has. Here's the first thing we see. We see that it's humble. Humble. Paul uh, announces right from the very beginning, look, I haven't obtained it. I'm not perfect. He knows, and he actually says it. He gets up front and everyone like, hey, look, I haven't arrived there yet. This Christian life is a, is a process. It's a journey. It's a journey of being humble. It's a journey, uh, like Luther said, of repentance, of a life of re- repentance, knowing that we don't have it right, which means that everywhere we fail and other people fail, that's the moment that grace meets us from Jesus. It's a life of humility with, with yourselves and with others where you can give, give grace to others and they can give grace back to you, realizing we're all on a journey. None of us have arrived. And I know it sometimes should go without stating, but none of us have arrived. We're all going to fail. We're all going to fail each other. But there is grace in this heavenly mindset if we walk in hum- humility. Being humble. Here's the second thing we see from Paul's example of having a heavenly mindset. It's forward-facing, forward-facing. He says, I forget what's behind me, uh, and I press on to, to the goal. There's something, there's this line ahead of me. It's like a, like a race. When I trip and fall, I get up because the race is ahead of me still. When I'm successful and I've passed other people, it doesn't matter. I don't stop there. I continue on to the goal that's ahead of me. And you, you don't care about the past successes or failures, but you, you look at where you're going. You're forward-facing to the goal of the prize. Uh, Amy, um, she's 5'3". That's no surprise. Everyone probably knows that. 5'3". Uh, and she was an amazing hurdler in high school. A 5'3 hurdler, which is kind of crazy to think about. And then several of our kids have picked up hurdling. Uh, and how many of you are hurdlers? How many of you does it like terrify you? Because that's me. So we're, we're in junior high like uh, track events and our kids get up to hurdle and you can, I think, I think a couple of them, they're like, they were the only ones because everyone else is like, no way, I'm not falling in front of everybody. Uh, and so you get our kids up to the line and uh, I know for me, maybe not for Amy because she's like, oh yeah, it's easy. Uh, but for me, I'm like, oh, please don't fall, please don't fall, please. And our kids... Uh, one of, all of them have fallen on hurdles, but all of them, when they fall, have gotten back up and finished the race, and I couldn't be more proud. didn't matter what was behind them. didn't matter that they fell. They had the goal, the prize of, of, of the line at the end, and they, they kept pressing 
on. And I think that's what Paul is saying. We're forward-facing. doesn't matter if you've tripped over every hurdle there is. Continue on because the race is not over with yet. The mindset, uh, this heavenly mindset is humble. It's forward-facing. Here's the last one, third, number three. It develops a new pattern of thinking. You have a new pattern of thinking. When you have a heavenly mindset, the way you think and the patterns of what you think uh, are, are changed. Paul talks about this as we're being called from death to life, and we have a new way of thinking. Think about it in, in these ways. He says this pattern of an eternal perspective, a heavenly mindset, is full of God's word to remind and to memorize and to train us in this new way of thinking. So that when these thoughts and these ideas come in, uh, a heavenly mindset takes God's word and, and retrains our, our mindset. Uh, when I was in high school, and I know this is kind of, uh, I'm, I was voted most bashful in high school because I don't like being up in front of people, which I know they're like, but you're a pastor. And I'm like, I know. God does funny things. Uh, I'd rather not be up here, but God's, uh, he's called me to this. And one of the ways that he's um, shaped me is that a bunch of friends in high school that worked at The Gap, uh, that clothing store. And so I'm, they're like, you should get a job there too. And so I, okay, I'll get a job. So I had my first like interview with them. So I met the manager to the interview and I was scared out of my mind to interview with this person because I don't even like being in front of uh, people. And someone gave me this verse, Proverbs 28.1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I memorized that verse, and before I'm going into my interview, I'm thinking, the righteous flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I was training my mind. In that way, in several other ways, when you memorize God's word, you develop this new pattern of, of thinking. I didn't have to live a life of fear. God was doing something in me. He was calling me to this, this heavenly mindset to go, no, I have something for you. Would you step into that? You can be as bold as a lion when you're with me. This new way of thinking then impacts the way you behave and act and respond. This right thinking re leads to right living. There's new patterns of, of thoughts. So let me just ask for a minute, what are your patterns of thoughts that you have in your mind? Maybe it's uh, filled with fear or worry or pride. Maybe your brain always goes to, to anger. And I think whatever it is, you're, you're combating an earthly mindset that, that God in his word wants to form new patterns of ways of, of thinking, that you would, you would respond with things of, of his word. And maybe even this morning you're like, man, I'm really afraid of this. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you're with the Lord, you can walk in courage and strength. Well, you can, probably, you can probably already see how this heavenly mindset that Paul is laying out for us, this example, it already uh, impacts the way we live here on earth. It's, it's humble. Uh, it's it's forward-facing. It continues uh, on. It develops this new pattern of thinking in, with yourselves and even with, with others. And so you can see how it spills out to the earthly good. So I want to take the second half and show how that's really impacting Paul's life as an example for us in this earthly good. So let's read the second part of Philippians 3, starting in verse 17. Philippians 3, verse 17. It says, Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me, 
and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables even him to subject all things to himself. Let me me just uh, make three observations about our earthly good, about the earthly good that comes from a heavenly mindset. Here's the first one, is that we have examples. Not only do we have examples, but you are an example. Paul says at the beginning, um, I'm not perfect, but now follow me. And you're like, whoa. I think all of us would say, which one of you are examples to the people behind you? We'd all say, oh, we're not perfect. We haven't, we haven't arrived yet. And Paul would say, yeah, me neither. You're not perfect. But I'm following this example of a resurrected life in a broken world that serves as a light and example to others. That they're, they're humble. They pursue Christ. They have this new way of thinking. And, and uh, They're like people that follow, like, just follow me. I'm not perfect, but when I fall, I know where I'm going, and I know who holds me. So follow me. The life that's resurrected, a life from death to to life. And as long as you have your feet on this earth, you can look around and you see examples. That's why uh, Christ has created the body of Christ, this community, that we can see others who are running uh, further ahead than us, that we can look at and go, ah, that's what I want to be like. Not that they're perfect, not that they're Jesus, but they serve as examples. And then all of us should then be like, who's behind us that we can go, hey, follow me. As I follow Paul, as Paul follows Jesus, like follow me as we have examples and encouragement to live a resurrected life today. Here's the second way for this earthly uh, good in our world from a heavenly mindset. Number, Number two is compassionately speaking the truth. Compassionately speaking the truth. Paul talks about the enemies of the cross, the enemies of the cross. And if the cross pictures like us giving our lives up, uh, we finding our death and Christ's death, that that it's not comfortable or or easy, there are enemies of that who go, no, I don't want anything to do. I don't want to give my life up. I want to get all that I can out of this life. I I want to feed my belly. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to have to sacrifice. um, I don't want to have to sacrifice or give up my life or what I want for someone else. And Paul says, uh, their end is destruction. There's a, there's a judgment coming. They're going the wrong way. Uh, they are on the wrong path. But, but, he, but he, he tapers this because he says, I'm talking about these enemies of the cross, and he has tears in his eyes. Even with tears in my eyes. And I don't think he's just like saying that. I think he's trying to demonstrate there is a compassion for there are people that are enemies of the cross, that are going the opposite of, of Jesus, that we need to compassionately tell them the truth. To compassionately say, like, we have, we know Jesus. There's forgiveness. There's something more than just the next meal out there. 
But how often does that tension in, in us, all of us, uh, err on one side or another? Either we want to be so compassionate that we don't speak the truth, or we, or we just want to speak the truth and we could care less about how they feel, and so we have no tears in our eyes as a church. But Paul's example of compassionately speaking the truth. Now, just for a minute, think about the enemies of you, <laughs> your enemies. And they may not be like... Uh, it may just be somebody that's like so different than you, that believes so different than you, that thinks so different than you, maybe doesn't even like you. Your, your enemies, think about how you react to them. I wonder, is, is there anything in us that takes um, eternity so serious that there are tears in our eyes when we think of the ones around us who are walking the wrong way? The, the compassion of someone who's, who's lost and broken and they need to know Jesus? Or is it the superior, we're right, they're wrong, I'm going to hammer them in the head? This compassion with truth. It's, it's, such a, it's a hard balance, I think, for, for all of us. So this, I wasn't going to share this, but I will. This week, somebody was picking on my daughter Hannah at school. And Amy calls me, and I was, I was about livid. And I'm going to go to school. I even called the teacher. I'm like, what do we got to do to get this done? Because I am, that's not going to happen. And I'm studying this, and I have no tear in my eye. <laughs> so conviction, right? To which Amy's like, let's calm down. I think this, this, I think this kid has a really rough home life. He's only got a dad at home. He's probably lost and broken. And so I think the Lord was like working even in my heart that I'm like, I'm going to go, uh, pastor beats up a six, <laughs> pastor beats up a seventh grade kid. That's where my earthly mindset is. I'm learning to have a heavenly mindset where I go, I need to compassionately speak the truth. It doesn't mean I don't speak. It doesn't mean I don't defend or I don't, do any of that, but I do it all with compassion, with the love of Jesus. Because we follow Jesus' example in this. Remember when he was over Jerusalem? He's got all these enemies, people that are wanting to kill him, and what's he do? He weeps. Oh, I was so wanting you guys to turn and repent, that you would know the gift that God has for you. He speaks the truth in love. That's Jesus' example, right? Perfect truth and perfect grace at the same time. Full of grace and truth, and I think Paul, in the same in the same avenue, is trying to f follow that example, compassionately speaking the truth. Here, here's the third uh, point of this earthly goodness that comes from our heavenly mindset. The third point is bring we bring hope. As Christians, we bring hope, and that hope is of the resurrection. I think one of the the greatest gifts that we have and the world needs to hear is that we have this good news that of the resurrection. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says uh, this, this whole idea of our, our ultimate hope is that one day God's going to restore and redeem and give us new bodies on the new heavens and the new earth, forgive our sins, make this kingdom of God here that all should be as it should be. So when Jesus rises from the dead and shows himself to his disciples, his disciples go, oh, good, now we got proof we're going to go and float on the clouds. No, they say, now there's proof of the resurrection. We have the goal or the end in mind of the resurrection and the redemption of all 
creation. There's hope in the resurrection. And that means that one day this world will be put to right. That your bodies and your minds will be made right, fully redeemed in Jesus. That the results of the sin and brokenness in our, our world will be undone. There'll be no more wars, no more death, no more cancer, no more car accidents. We'll have the hope of resurrection. So, so what's that look like today? With this hope of resurrection and this earthly goodness. Would I just imagine if you were a believer in Philippi. So Philippi was a Roman colony. Uh, so uh, you were maybe just say a Roman in Philippi. That's 800 miles from Rome, 800 miles from the emperor, or 800 miles from your king. Uh, he's far, far away. And the big enemy of the, the Roman Empire at that time was the barbarians, this, this group of like, you just hear it, barbarians, the Goths and the Visigoths and all these barbarian tribes that were enemies to Rome. And let's just, let's just imagine what uh, a, one of those barbarian tribes coming down to Philippi and destroying your town. I mean, coming, you see it on the news now, like the idea of destruction and war and fire and you're leaving your, you're leaving your home, you have to leave it all behind. These barbarian tribes entering into Philippi when the word gets back to the emperor in Rome, one of your cities is being attacked. And so the emperor goes, gather the army, we're heading to Philippi. What would that do to you as a Roman citizen? You'd be like, oh, the emperor's coming. It's not this idea, oh, the emperor's coming and he's going to take us all back to Rome. No, the emperor's coming and he's going to put everything right. He's going to vanquish our enemies. He's going to rebuild the things. We're going to have life as it should be. And as Christians, as believers, in the same way, we eagerly await our king to return and transform these corruptible bodies into the incorruptible bodies, to put the world the way it should be. The hope of the resurrection means the new heavens and the new earth fully inaugurated here and now. Not that we run away, but that we fully experience the goodness of life without the veil of sin that we'll see the loved ones that have gone before us, that we'll physically, bodily be able to hug one day. But in the meantime, as Paul says, as we're eagerly awaiting the return of our king to put everything at right, in the meantime, we live these resurrected lives now, somewhere between here and here. We're in this process, in this journey. We live resurrected lives now because the one who has reached out to hold us, to bring us from death to life, will not let go of you. So we live in the reality of these resurrected lives, but we're not there yet. So we press on each and every day, humbly, called with a purpose. You know, Cliff Young, the, the runner, he, he didn't start off running the first day of that race going, oh, I've never run before, I'm going to step up to the line and see, see how I do. He had been running for 60, well, not probably 60 years, maybe 60, 59 years, I don't know. He'd been running for a long time, and no one had ever watched him. There were no stopwatches. There were no cameras. But he simply ran every day to fulfill the purpose and the calling that God had on his life for those under his, his care. He didn't start doing the Cliff Young shuffle on the first day of the ultra marathon. He had been learning to run that way all his life, humbly fulfilling the purpose and calling that he had.
But in those quiet years when no one saw, he was preparing to win an ultra marathon. Our purpose and calling is the same. It's often quite quiet. Uh, people may not have cameras and they may not write articles about us. But when you faithfully show up to care for someone for years, day after day, you're, you're learning to run a, a Christian shuffle. Living with the hope of the resurrection and resurrected lives in Jesus today with the hope that one day he will put everything as it should be. That one day the result, the goal of our faith will be the salvation of us to be with Jesus, to know him, to know him personally. So the encouragement, I think if Paul was here this morning, he would say, so don't stop running. If, if you've tripped up in the past year or two years, if you've been out of church for three years, it doesn't matter, you're back. Walk with Jesus, run with him, shuffle along. You don't need to be the fastest or the smartest or the strongest. Just keep shuffling. So how are you running? Do you need to get your eyes up, have this heavenly mindset of the goal, the purpose that Christ has for you? Maybe there's somebody that's behind you that you say, well, I'm not an example for anybody. And Christ is like, yes, you are. Call them to it. Not, you're not perfect. Maybe, maybe it's uh, you need to have somebody in front of you, and you go, man, I am struggling in this season of life, and I need, to, I need to follow the example of somebody. And you have to reach out, hey, can I grab some coffee with you? I just need that encouragement. I need the wisdom that you, that you have as I'm learning to live a resurrected life today. So who can you reach out to, maybe? Who can you come alongside or, or follow? And, and maybe... As you start each day, you just need to get your head up and go, Lord, give me a heavenly mindset today that I would be earthly good to those around me as we eagerly await the return of our King. Let's pray. Lord, we just turn on the news and it's so uh, discouraging and um, there's such a lack of hope. But Lord, we know with this heavenly mindset that we are eagerly awaiting the return of King Jesus. Lord, we live resurrected lives now. And if there's somebody, uh, there's, there's somebody here who hasn't put their faith in you, Lord, hasn't been awakened by your spirit um, to go, boy, I need to leave everything else behind and, and cling to Jesus because he's my only, my only hope in life and in death that there would be a resurrection one day awaiting that person uh, too. Lord, would you give us that hope? Would you give uh, all of us who are with uh, bodily ailments or health issues or um, with, with kids who are uh, walking away or uh, with problems at, at work or at home, Lord, would you allow all of us to continue on, to press on, to know you better and to take hold of the resurrection that you've called us to, that we would live with the heavenly mindset for the earthly good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. 
You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.